God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you happen to be listening to this, I just want to welcome you to say yes to spirit. Welcome. (laughs) Every week uh, we get together and we have an intentional conversation about what it means to say yes to spirit and how saying yes to spirit has anything at all to do with your life. And every so this week our theme is leadership and we're going to talk about how saying yes to spirit helps you be a better leader and what does it mean to be a leader when you say yes to spirit and is there any element of leadership involved in saying yes to spirit? I don't know. But <laughs> By, by the time we're through talking, perhaps we'll, we'll have an opinion. And have an idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So before we get to that, let's connect the dots with our previous topic, which was thoughts. 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 My, uh, my connect the dot obsession. My connect the dot desire. Let's think. Leadership and thoughts. We're thinking about the idea. Don't we have theme music for the Connect the Dots? We does do. It, does it uh, does it have a little cuckoo clock kind of sound in it? There it is. I feel better about that now. I feel better about that. You know, thinking about the thoughts last week and how the thoughts, the things, yes, that then kind of manifest in our lives. If I'm thinking in terms of. Leadership, you know, it's interesting, I always, leadership, said that word, I think of like being a manager or being a director or having staff underneath. I had a conversation just this week with someone about uh, someone that's in a leadership role in my life in that business world, and we were commenting on how her behavior kind of bleeds over into setting sort of a tone for the rest of us who work for her. Yes. And I actually said to my friend, I said, you know, when I was a director, when I had staff underneath me, poor people. I said I was so much more functional because I had to be the leader. I had to set the tone, set the example. So I was so much more functional and so much because I was aware that um, people were watching, (laughs) right? And so now that I'm not the leader... I just can be a hot mess, and, you know, it's not my fault because there's nobody watching me, there's nobody... Because I don't have a good leader. Yes, yes, and she's not setting a good example, so therefore I'm not responsible for my stuff. Does that see? Doesn't that sound like me? Which is really hilarious because (laughs) given a strong leader who has an opinion or a style you don't like, then... This person's really dysfunctional. (laughs) No, no, no. But no, but you know it's an interesting thing. So you know, and I'm interested to talk about that because if I'm not being led in a healthy way, do I still have to be healthy? You know, can I can I point out? Can I just sit around and say this is why I'm dysfunctional? Because okay, we don't even have to talk about that. We know the answer is no. You have no excuse based on other people's behavior. However. Since we're in Connect the Dots, uh-huh. the last week, the thoughts about how our thoughts then show up right. in our lives. If I'm thinking I don't have to behave in a certain way because my leader is not, there's a definite connection because that's what's going to show up. Right. My, so my thoughts, thoughts are going to show up, manifest in my behavior and or in my environment and circumstances. Right, and my and isn't that interesting that my thoughts change based on the people I'm around? Boy, that's, that's scary. That's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. 
my thoughts should be my thoughts. They shouldn't be dependent on. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said about that. Connect yeah. the dots, I think. Yeah. Thanks Otherwise, for, we're going to turn that into that a whole show. Therapy on Leslie, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a one minute or so break, and we'll be back right after that with Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy. positive change in the world. 
but when I just think about the word leadership, that, you know, the positive spin on it comes mm-hmm. to mind for me first mm-hmm. without me going into my analytical brain. You know, then it's the but. You know, I right. think of all the good people, all the people doing good things, and then it's like, but what about Hitler? Well, what about this mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. Well, what about that example? And it's like, oh, yeah, they, they're leaders to the people who are following them. What about the head of the Ku Klux Klan? Mm-hmm. Amazing leader using leadership skills, but to, toward a purpose that was very dangerous for my ancestors. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so so it is interesting. How does saying yes to spirit, what does that have to do with leadership? And I think I think that when you are, oh, I was going to say. Oh, come on, say it. I was going to say when you are being led by spirit, mm-hmm. you're more likely to be leading people in a positive direction. And, of course, the O was, what about 9-11? Mm. People who felt they were fully being, believed they were being right, led by they spirit. were being led by you know what God expected of mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. and what God would bless and say was good yes. and it was a terrorist attack and against another group of people and so you know for me I would say well God never says kill you know that God in is always about love mm-hmm. and never guides you to do things that harm other people. Um, and the and. people who were following the leaders at that time believed they were doing something that was saying yes to spirit. This could be a very paradoxical, confusing show. <laughs> and it's kind of cool, though, because I think that is that is um, it, that is something to be aware of and to not because. I, I just saw the movie Zero Dark Thirty that is in theaters now, but um, it's about the capture of Bin Laden, and it and it and it absolutely shows how deeply rooted the the belief that the individuals have who follow that thinking in terms of their their design. To follow their God is to annihilate pretty much everybody that doesn't believe like they believe, and they're not the only ones that believe that. There have been more wars based on religious beliefs than political beliefs or any other kind of power. More wars in the history of mankind have been caused by or been supported by the conflict between mm-hmm. religious beliefs, um, and and that's a little scary. Maybe we shouldn't have gone. <laughs> maybe we should have picked a, a different topic. Are you are you are you concerned about your own ability to process this through? Because it is an interesting. No, it really. is a. It is a. And it, and then it makes me stop and wonder who am I following? You know, when I can look back in times of my life, I have. Absolutely um, uh, followed uh, individuals. I've followed um, partners. I've followed friends. I've followed, you know, authors. You know, I have kind of given over my thinking to the thinking of someone else that I thought, boy, they're smart. They know the way. And how much... You know how much is my part in doing my due diligence isn't the right word, but how you know how do I stop myself and trust my intuition and follow my intuition? You know sometimes my own inner leadership, my own inner voice, or do I do I say no? They're they're wiser. They have a you know they have more authority whether it be work authority, spiritual authority or something, so I better follow them. I've I've spent a lot of my life looking for a teacher, someone to follow. I think that's a past life kind of thing for me that I just want, you know, to just serve someone, wash their feet and let them tell me what to do. And Tracy's rolling her eyes. But, um, you know, that instinct, there's something inside of me, and I wonder if that's 
part of perhaps not stepping into my own leadership or my own uh, leadership, my own... Well, we all have to learn from other people. But how do we know we're not learning from someone who's going to, you know, tell me to blow up a... Because I do believe the people that did that it didn't, you know, it didn't enter their mind that they were acting outside of spirit. And it's interesting in the movie, if if, if you have an opportunity to see that movie, the, our, the first 45 minutes is about the torture of how our, and I was really interested to see that um, the people perpetrating the torture, the Americans perpetrating the torture, were Ph.D., CIA agents, they were highly intelligent. I, for whatever reason, had this idea that they were kind of, you know, low-level people that were liking to see people in pain or something. But these were, these were, these were intelligent people truly believing that that's what they had to do to get what they needed to get. And I was fascinated by that, that somehow they had allowed themselves, very intelligent people, to get into a, 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 a thought pattern that justified that. And it was interesting in, in reviews of it, I, I heard someone say, you know, someone commented, well, that was the only way we could have found bin Laden because some of the information that they eventually tra- you know, tracked and were able to find to connect the dots to him was information they got through the torture. So this person was saying, well, it well, served a purpose, you know. And the other person said, no. Nothing the 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 end would never justify that means. Even there's nothing to justify that means. Like there's nothing to justify the 9/11 planes going in. But in the time, how often do I get caught up in thinking I have to do a certain thing to get to this end? It's a really interesting. And yeah, and how often? Because all of us, if we're alive and human. There have been times in our lives where we can look back and say, I wish I hadn't done that, or I I know I did that, and I really was just justifying mm-hmm. getting what I wanted, right. but it really wasn't a spiritual thing to do, or it really wasn't the loving thing to do. You know, I wanted my more power, or I wanted what I wanted, mm-hmm. so I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, we get we get caught up in our ego needs and our human needs, and and if we can justify that because there's a leader, a personal leader or a society community leader who says it's okay or who's setting that example, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I don't know that that really l- lets us off the hook even though we can rationalize it and justify it. If if I am truly responsible for my life and my relationship with God, then well, then my Christ consciousness is going to kick in or if I allow it to. Mm-hmm. And and if you read the Bible, there are many examples when Jesus or some other key character in the Bible went against, you know, Pharaoh or right. the ruler of the day, King David, or, you know, all through the Bible, there were people who were acting of God who said, I know this is what you're saying to do, and I'm going to do something different because I'm grounded in spirit, because I am saying yes to spirit. And I guess that's the ticket. And when you said, what would love do, that maybe to me would would go, would cut out that, you know, even the men that that blew up, if they had stopped for a moment to think what would love do, they would understand that would not be love. And the people that did the torturing, if they had stopped and thought what would love do, they could have gotten out of the mindset of having someone defining God or some definition of God that they then bought into and stopped and went within 
So that's really interesting because we live in a society in the world in the 21st century. We live in a society that says it's okay, you know, that is very cutthroat, that is very, um, in, in the U.S. especially, very much focused on individual power and individual desires being met. Um, and that can be counter to what's in the best interest or what, if other people are not acting from love, mm-hmm. are you leaving yourself open for death? You know, for death of your business, death of your career, death of your happiness, you know, death, 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 leading up to physical death. For example, you know, we send we send the military, people sign up to be in the military for lots of reasons, but if they get a duty that's, you know, in war, they they're going to kill people. Right, because they're ordered to kill people or because in order for self-defense, in order for them to live, they have to kill others. And, you know, there's a big, you know, thing. Now, I'm old enough that I remember the whole conversation about conscientious objectors way back at the Vietnam War. Oh, sure, yeah. And, uh, And if you're not old enough, you probably read about it or heard about it when you had history around the Vietnam period and all the uh, protests. But this idea of conscientious objector, you know, we poo-poo it as it's unpatriotic. But, you know, even back then I thought, now women weren't, you know, going into the service, um, especially not in combat zones like they can as of now. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I thought if I had to make that choice, if I if they were drafting women, which they weren't at that time, would I be a conscientious objector? And it really wasn't for me about the Vietnam War. It was about war. Right. And you came to the side of conclusion that? Well, I thought I would, but I was con- I thought I would do conscientious objector you know, because it was about war, and I just felt that there was a, a, you know, a better way to resolve conflict than war, even though I didn't know what it was. And so, um, at the same time, though, I had conflict because even though I was very much into, you know, the civil rights movement and this country hasn't treated uh, black people fairly or resp- even respectfully. I still was patriotic because I was still an American. Mm-hmm. And if the, if America has made this commitment over here, then I, I support that. But I don't. I mean, you know, it was very confusing. I was really glad that I wasn't male and had, you know, had to make that decision. Had to get on that bus to Canada. <laughs> well, and I thought... I would have been on that bus to Canada and change your citizenship, but, you know, just leaving and going to Canada actually is illegal, right? Right, right, right. So the only legal thing would be to file to be a conscientious objector and hope that it got approved or whatever. Right. And it is even thinking about how how I look at you know, how far am I willing to take my beliefs or to stand up for my beliefs? And I'm thinking back to my little, you know, current situation in, in my work. Um, I can think of times in the past I have been the one to stand up and say, look, look, that's not right. Let's do this over here. This is, you know, and I, you know, have put the flyers on the doors kind of thing, right? I've been the one to yes, to be, very, to be very verbal to say, you know, boy, if somebody's not listening to their Christ consciousness, and let me help them see that. <laughs> and and for whatever reason, now I'm not, you know, doing that. And so I'm wondering, what is that about me? Is it just laziness, or am I just kind of uh, perhaps um, picking my battles a little bit more, you know, intelligently in terms of well, I can, I don't, I don't have to 
point out this in this situation. I can just, but un, un, unfortunately, I'm not choosing to go ahead and do what's best in my world. I'm sort of just laying over and playing dead. So I've gone kind of as one does in human experience, one extreme to the other. You know, from putting flyers on the doors to just giving up and saying, okay, you win. So where's the happy medium, I guess, is the, the choice with me, or the question for me right now, and perhaps the happy medium is understanding that, that I can be a leader through my behavior without having to without point Without having to have the title, without having to make someone else not a leader. Right. Without having to um, even publicize or do a comparison. <laughs> a spotlight. Look at this. I'm a better leader than she is and, you know, follow my example instead. Because if you're really doing it from from your internal uh, rudder or your internal compass, it's not even about what she does or doesn't do. It's, this is my understanding of what it means to be a leader. And, and in... Um, in authenticity, me showing up as someone who says yes to spirit, I'm going to show up in my best self every day. Right. And I guess I, I do kind of have felt that it wasn't so much I was trying to be a better leader, I was trying to point out that, that you know, people, there is a choice here, mm-hmm. and, and we don't we don't have to be, you know, put down in in by someone else. Because I think that many times leaders can create an environment where you know it's an oppressive. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, you like yes. that word oppressive? Oh yes. When leaders are operating under the assumption that I have the power and you right. don't. Right. Right. And so, how to less dramatically, my other favorite word, um, you know, to, 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 to just be kind of a silent, a silent, um, you know, a silent example that there's something, there's some other way to be in the world. And that's how perhaps people can uh, create, give, give other people an option because they see, oh, well, that person's not falling in line. And then that might awaken within them the the ability to stop and think for their own inner consciousness. Because I really believe if we if we stop, and I guess that's a day, that's a spiritual practice idea. If we have some sort of spiritual practice, there will always be a part of us that can can intuitively know. Oh, that's not the healthiest. That's not the most loving thing to do. But if I don't have my spiritual practice going on a daily basis, then I'm very likely just to be, uh, you know, much more gullible to whatever's popular at the moment because I'm not really fully awake Mm -hmm. to the truth of who I am. So, therefore, my inner compass is not as strong. Right. What's most popular at the moment, what's most convenient Mm -hmm. at the moment, I think, um, also comes to play a lot. Well, it's just easier for me to go along. Go along, right. And we go along with whatever is happening because maybe it's not that hugely uh, opposite to our deepest beliefs or commitments. It's just kind of we do it differently. We go along and then we go along and we go along and then, you know, eight or nine ways steps down the going along trail then something we're expected to go along like we have been for the last eight years and what is now being happening is directly in opposition to something we believe. But we've lost our going we've lost our muscle. Mm-hmm. We've lost our ability to step in and say no or stop or, or model a different way because we've been going along and going along. So we go along and we hate it and we hate ourselves and then that then feeds into a whole nother chain reaction of dysfunction. And I wonder if I if I see myself not um if I see myself not acting in a way that's in alignment with my Christ consciousness, if I 
what what is it that it takes to step back in line with that? Does it take courage? Does it take does it take willingness to you know lose my job? Does it take willingness to do I do I consciously say okay I'm gonna you know I need that paycheck so I'm gonna live my Christ consciousness in a way that is sort of you know eighty percent so that I can quote unquote keep the job. Um, or if I'm giving up so much of myself along the way, then, you know, am I beginning to worship the the job or the paycheck? Am I living in fear? Or can I keep my Christ consciousness and maybe do something, quote, unquote, out of alignment or allow someone else's behavior to to affect me? I know really in, in current day, the leader in my workplace is doing things that are causing disruption for other people as well as myself, and 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 it's like I'm more offended when the disruption is someone that I care about, right? Mm-hmm. When it's my disruption, I'm like, well, okay, I can you know roll with it. But it's interesting how I'm more in tune with the disruption of someone else and wanting to stand up for that person. Oh, yes. Than I am the standing up. Of that's right, arm. that's right. Yeah. But go ahead and do you it to me. You could wear your superhero cape. <laughs> yeah. I, you, know, I, you know, I just have a little superhero, you know, hat, I think, maybe oh, at this point. Not, I gave up the cape. Now I just have a hat, right? But well, I, I think that's really, um, I think that applies to all of us. I mean, I think that's really good to bring up that applies to all of us. When we kind of go along to get along, mm-hmm. that's part of living in a community or being a part of a community or a workplace. None of us ever gets to do everything we want the way we want to do it. And so there's some part of that that is healthy, and that doesn't change my Christ consciousness, Christ consciousness right. uh, you know, about how I show up. and Because and, there are rules and there are guidelines and there are different leaders with different styles. So... Adapting to all of that in itself is not in opposition to living your Christ consciousness. Um, I think it does become an issue when we are modeling behave, when we are patterning behavior, conversations, individual actions, you know, because that's the way the boss does it. Um, the example that just went through my mind was um, this was a long time ago. So if anybody is listening to this and don't, I'm not talking. Who I'm not talking about you. Okay. <laughs> it's so, so funny. I'm thinking nobody in my work world listens, so I'm safe. So yeah. Well, no, it's funny because I, I'm surprised at how often somebody will shoot me an email or they'll see me and they'll be like, "When you gave that example, were you talking about?" Me? <laughs> I'm thinking no. So let me be clear about this. This happened a long this time ago. Dead. They don't even. Yeah. Um. And um. Anyway, but there were there was this this uh, peer of mine who managed a large number of people, and his way of getting things done was really underhanded, under the table. Uh. He he was one of the kind of people who he wanted to not only know what the rules were, well, he wanted to know what the rules were so that he could get around them. Right. I mean, you know, if I know exactly what the rules are, then I know where the exceptions, I know how to, you know, look like I'm following the rules, but there are exceptions. Here were all the loopholes. Loopholes, right. Or he wanted to set the rules so that it would benefit his group or his people the most, even though it was obvious that it wasn't fair to the larger organization. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was really interesting because this was a peer, and actually I was an HR person, so I I had to support his group of people, but half the time they would have their own, he had told them things they could do that weren't, part of the rules, right? Or he was um, negotiating for something to happen that was outside of the rules. And, you know, it was a power thing. And so I had to decide, okay, you know, we're peers, but my department serves your department. We're staff. And so in in some ways I had to try to get things done that would get him the outcomes he wanted even though, you know, it didn't feel like it would be right for the whole for for the larger organization. And walking that line between quote unquote cutting deals 
and sticking to the policy, I actually relied a lot on, even though I didn't call it that at that time, on Christ consciousness and what would love do. And so there were times when I would hold a hard line. No, we're not doing that. You know, we're not going to pay this person in this job grade $20,000 more than anybody else in the whole organization is being paid. Right. Because ultimately that's going to come back to me as having approved that. I'm not going there because it's really not fair. I'm not going to be able to do that to the people in my, you know, department or my function, and this person and this person won't either. Now, if we can find some other way that's ethical to do that, can we upgrade the job? Can we, You know, it's like I'll, I could work with you to try to get what you want if you have a good reason for it, but I'm not going to just, ignore the system. And um, and I want to do that because even though I don't like your tactics, I respect that you have a position and that you are, in your mind, doing what's best for, quote, unquote, your people. So it's like walking that line, if you're grounded by Christ consciousness, if you're grounded by saying yes to spirit, the most complex situations, you can still say, you know, I know that I'm doing this based on what is in the best interest and what is love, what is being led, I'm being led by love. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for the President of the United States or the, you know, the, and I'm not talking specifically about Obama, although he's President at this time, I'm thinking even Bush or Bush before him, or Reagan, or Nixon, or, you know, in that role of being president of the United States, having to navigate the complexity of interacting with leaders from every nation around the world, as well as all the constituencies in the United States, being led by spirit. I think Obama does a great job of that, because he's made some tough calls, that in many ways would be political suicide you think of, mm-hmm. but he's so grounded and he's vocal about. But then George Bush, you know, did the George Bush the second, uh, George W. did, you know, all through that we're going, you know, to war. He felt guided and protected and directed by God. And I think that is that I keep coming back to this idea of kind of a personal spiritual practice because I, I just have to believe if if someone has it doesn't listen to outside forces but has their own divine connection that that that, that goes further than all of the people around us that we can listen to. I mean and then, so the intuition is the inner compass. Right. When you are in active daily spiritual practice. Right. And I wonder how many times, because I know, you know, the the spiritual practice of, of my my current life is not what it was a year ago, and I see the ripple effect of that into my workplace and into my personal life and, you know, into all sorts of different things. And so as as a leader within my own fear, you know, I I am not as strong of a an example of Christ consciousness when I don't have my connection going clearly. And to um I don't know, step up my own spiritual practice to understand that that's the only mechanism by which I can lead myself or lead by example that I have to have that connection really clear that that's the clearest compass that I have and how not to get caught up in the human ego games and the you know trying to fix my feeling of inadequacy or my feeling of need to have something by this external force when I can come back to understanding it's all an internal it's all an internal sense it's all between me and God anyway and if I get out of alignment with that and you know, leadership 
I can even think about leadership in terms of um, taking just the word lead. Am I leading my day with meditation? Am I leading my conversation with the idea of Christ consciousness? Where am I? You know, what's my first? What's my first step out into this? Am I leading? With my right foot in Christ consciousness, or am I leading with my left foot and ego? Oh come on, what's wrong with come on. left foot? <laughs> and your left and the and the ego for me can get so you know it 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 can feed itself and can convince itself and convince me of things that it, and it and as it leads me in a direction that maybe manifests success or power or, you know, something perceived as good, then it can be fearful to step out and lead with Christ consciousness because what if, what if I lose this thing that I think I have to have? Exactly. And I think that happens to all of us more often than not, that we want the status quo or we want what we want. We want the right. job, we want the income, we want the car, we want the person that we want to be in relationship with. And so we compromise, we rationalize, and we fool ourselves right. that, oh, it's not really against what I believe, but we know deep down deep that down. it is. And, you know, many times leading with love, leading with Christ consciousness is is so unusual, interestingly enough, in our world still. And even in in church life or spiritual community, um, the ego is still so much alive so many times that leading in love, it's almost it's a vulnerable place. It's a vulnerable because... Interestingly enough, it, it, and I'm going to say it, it appears vulnerable, but it's really strength. Yeah. And um, having that understanding that as soon as I step into Christ consciousness and say the loving thing that feels completely vulnerable and completely like I'm just naked in the street, the moment that I take that step, my experience has been I get this rush of strength. And it's a true strength, and it's like a tree trunk strength, and it's deeply rooted, and it's really powerful. And it feeds itself to the next most powerful thing. And then the vulnerability then I see as giving me that strength to do the next right thing. And the, when I lead with ego or when I try to, to, to live my life in that realm... I'm like a twig, and I'm so easily broken, or the wind can knock me down. But it's really um, completely a different thing when I allow myself to to step out in that love that seems vulnerable at the time, but it really is strength, and it really is true power, true power. And I think power is an interesting word because it goes yeah. along with leadership. And I think sometimes I shun away from the idea of I'm powerful, but I, I am, you know, God, I, the divine within me, that you know, the ultimate power. Um, I'm just obsessed with the Michael Gott CD that I've been listening to, like, just strangely for, like, three weeks now. I've listened to nothing but this Michael Gott CD. And he has a line in one of his songs, there's a power in my hands. And, you know, to really step into that... I used the word the other day with somebody. I said, you know, these words that are in his songs are starting to transform me, and it's it's nothing I'm doing, but I'm hearing the truth again and again over and again, and over and over again. Yeah, and it's amazing the kind of the inner strength or the inner power that I'm feeling, and to not think that's a bad thing, to understand that that power, boy, that can move mountains, and that's. That's God. And that's the our theme design. for next week. What? Power. Power. I like it. I like it. Because, it, you know, the the leaders of the people that went 9-11 felt powerful. So I think 
that word has a negative connotation sometimes. But to be well, they have. Well, we're not. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go right there. Oh, no. no. So, but the leadership and the idea of of the the inner kind of what I'm leading with. If I'm leading in fear, if I'm leading in love. I like, and I do think that's our personal responsibility. And maybe we should stay there for a little, for you know, five or ten minutes. That I love when you said, you know, what am I leading with? Am I leading with prayer? Am I leading with love? Am I leading when I start my day? How right. how do I lead in to my day? To my day. How do I lead in to that meeting? You know, right. I have I have several amazing to me amazing stories about being nervous or afraid to call someone back or to make the follow-up call when I was trying to sell a big contract a few years ago. And I sat down and I wrote a prayer, an affirmative prayer, and before I made this one particular call, and it was, you know, and of course I got the contract, and it was a pretty big contract, and it wasn't a, a prayer from the point of, you know, make a miracle happen. It was just a reminder mm-hmm. of what skills and talents I have and that people are happy to pay me well for the contribution I make to them and to their organization, and, you know, it was just really grounding. And so I led into the call yes. with the potential client in such a way that was so grounded that, of course, it would result. I mean, I, yeah, I shouldn't have been surprised that it would result because if I had made the call 15 minutes earlier, I would have led into the call from a sense of lack and fear right. and worry and right. anxiety. And and that energy would have attracted yes. more things to result in right. more of that energy. Right. And so I think it is true how how I am a leader in my own life experience. Am I a leader for myself, leading myself into situations and actions that reflect what I know to be true about the essential nature of God? And that, I think, takes a life of its own and does transform those around me. And I think in my younger days when I, you know, put the flyers on the doors, that that, that was a very dramatic way to to get people's attention and and you know, like a sort of like a spotlight that was too bright perhaps for people to deal with. You know, and it didn't didn't really have in the short run, much of an effect. In the long run, I think it had a nice effect, but, you know, I was gone by then. So now I have an opportunity to lead in a in a more subtle way, and if I can get my lead, lead by example and lead in love going, then my hunch is, because it's a very small little nucleus that I'm talking about now, that, that the ripple effect of my behavior will will probably transform that, and it, and it can do it in a way that's much more, you know, loving in the here and now. And yeah, that, I'm 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 smiling um, because dramatic. When you said that was a more dramatic way, and I was like, yes, that's a lovely <laughs> way of doing things, quite dramatic. Yes. And yes. then when you said this would be more subtle, I was like. That's so not lovely to be subtle. <laughs> I know it's not. So let's try that. Let's see. So I can... it's yeah, it's that that reminder that in our lives we transition, transform, and who we were. The principle is not bound by precedent. Yes. And who we were at any point in our previous life experience does not define who we will be today or tomorrow. And you know, isn't it? Um... You know, Martin Luther King comes to mind in terms of, you know, he moved mountains with, with I'm not going to say very, very little effort. You know, I'm sure it was a lot of effort, but it just seemed he was so in line with the truth of who he was. It wasn't like he was having to to really um, 
muster up a bunch of strength or a bunch of something because it seemed like it was just who he was. And people, the, the effort was in the managing, building and managing the organization and the movement, but the message was yes, so, so congruent right. to his belief, deepest beliefs and values. And you said something that um, that just made gears kick into place, and that was um, I forgot. <laughs> it was so profound. Oh darn! Oh no! Oh golly! I wanted to oh, remember if I said the, it. the truth of who he was. Right. But you know what? What that triggered for me was it wasn't so much that Martin Luther King Jr. was immovable around the truth of who he was. He was immovable around the truth of mankind, God's truth of mankind, that mankind was meant to, that humanity was meant to love one another. He had such a strong knowing of that. Nothing could... That he he would not be moved from... That knowing, it wasn't just about him as an individual, that I am supposed to be nonviolent, Mm -hmm. or I am supposed to fight for this. That's my, you know, unique purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. He was so clear that the nature of man, being made in the spiritual image and likeness of God, was to be loved and that that was the nature of all mankind, and he was not to be moved from that. And in a way, his leadership of knowing that allowed others to sense that within them. It almost gave them, it it, it turned the light bulb on in their own lives to say, oh, yeah, right, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and that I is think the truth that's of who true I am about too. when I think about Mother Teresa or... Gandhi or Oprah Chavez. <laughs> you want to say Oprah? No. <laughs> um, the tr- <laughs> that just totally threw you off. Yeah, it did. Over yeah. Again. Yeah. You can't think of another of another uh, another master teacher. Um, I think that that is and and actually I I did I am I did stop because I wanted to think about Oprah. Uh, and I think that she didn't start there. I, I'm clear she didn't start there. Right. I do believe that she is there now. Yes. You know, but when she was 20 or 25 or 30 or 35, she wasn't there. At 58, mm-hmm. 59, in her late 50s, she's there. Um, and yeah, it's like that leadership does come from what you do in your in your individual life and it just seems that that piece about what is you know do I believe it's a friendly universe do I believe that we are operating in the framework that has been so clearly defined by living in the image the spiritual image of God um, and when when that is hooked into, when I'm hooked into that, it does do amazing things, whether within me individually or those that I'm surrounded by. And, you know, we touch lives we don't even know we touch. Oh, and people right? touch my life that they would never know they touched my life. And so some of that being a leader and choosing how I lead into the things I do and the things I say and the people I interact with and how I show up in the world, if I'm a leader grounded, you know, in the love of spirit, the loving nature of God, then, yeah, I I touch or impact thousands of people I'm not even aware of it just by how I show up. Yes, yes. And how the the yeah I had an experience yesterday where I was around a woman who was just so joyful, and I wasn't even talking to her. She was across the way, and the glint in her eye and the smile, and she just had a childlike wonder about her. And she was an older woman, 
And she energized me, and I was able to be in a situation where I could say, your energy is really wonderful. I really, and she she was like, what energy are you talking about? Yeah, and she said, I have energy. She goes, I have energy. You know, and so it wasn't even in her vocabulary of such. But, you know, that is absolutely true. And when we're just going about our daily lives in a state of spiritual saying yes to spirit, you know, that, that affects all people around us. So are you saying that everyone can be a leader? <laughs> oh, I'm saying we are all leading. You know, it's like we're all, you know, like we said last week, this was, should have been my connected dot. Can we play that music again? No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, we talked about that our thoughts are manifesting, whether we know it or not, and we are leading, whether we know it or not. We are leading. Yes. And that's an amazing thing to keep in the forefront of my mind. And I like the idea of, what am I leading with? What am I? How am I leading into this meeting? Like you said, you stopped and made a conscious choice to lead into that conversation with a prayer beforehand. And I know before I go into a therapy session with a client, before I go into the jail and do work with the women, I make a conscious choice to get out of the way and let spirit go through me to be spirit-led. And, you know, that shifts everything. Why don't I make that conscious choice when I get in my car? Why don't I make that conscious choice when I'm about to do something, you know, for myself? Yeah. You know, it's, it's real easy in those big moments of my day that I make that conscious choice. But in the little tiny moments, why don't I make that choice? Yes. Gosh. Why don't you? Why don't I? Dear golly. Well, why don't you this week? That's right. Why don't I choose? Why? I, 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 up until today, I haven't. But now I will, right? Yes. It is a conscious choice. The more more aware I am of that, and to to understand that, you know, I don't have to be led by people in my life that are quote unquote directors or leaders. You know, I'm led by me, and I don't need to give up that power to anybody but my Christ consciousness within right. me. Right, and I and, think I give up I my power. And I can choose when to um, when to challenge something. I can choose when to accept it, but it's my choice. I'm not the victim of someone else's orders or direction or example. Right. And that that is me being a leader in my own life um, and for that role I am guided by spirit. I mean, that I'm, I'm thinking how I would say mm-hmm. this to myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I, I could start every day reminding myself of that. Yes, and and being led by spirit, being led by spirit, literally in 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 each moment, not just the big moments, and that's kind of the thing behind this whole show, right? Is that it's not just the spiritual decisions that we bring spirit in; it's the every every day, you know, every moment, every day. Getting my coffee. How am I being led by spirit? Yeah, I'm laughing. It's like it's not just the big moments like spirit only swoops in and comes in, you know. It's like God is always present. There is no spot where God is not. God is omnipotent. I mean, how many ways can we say it, right? Right. We're the ones away from being spirit-led, but spirit is always there, always here, always ready. Yes. So I could... Just like turn my face that way instead of the other way. That whole free will thing. Yeah, that darn free will. <laughs> so next week we'll have a lot of opportunities to talk about free will. Free will, and power, yes. And power, and um, hope that you will join us in that conversation. So check us out, check the schedule out, and see what's coming up next and when. And we hope that you will see us then. But until that time. We encourage you to say yes to spirit.
But my heart's been hurt a couple times by a couple guys that didn't treat me right. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.